Did you think it was going to go any other way? Welcome into the San Francisco 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett saying welcoming you to the undefeated club after week four, the San Francisco 49ers take down and pluck every single feather off those pesky Arizona Cardinal wings and win 36, or excuse me, 35 to 16 advance to 4-0 on the year. One of two teams remaining undefeated through week number four. How did this happen? What brought us here? We're going to dive into every little detail that happened on the field at Levi Stadium where the San Francisco 49ers continued their four-game win streak this year as Brock Purdy was great. Christian McCaffrey, record-setting performance, had four touchdowns on the day. Brandon Ayuk came back. The defense looked stout. They might have a concern, but the defense still was lights out for the better half of this game want to ask you to subscribe and leave a like on the video and without further ado let's dive into what happened in week four between the san francisco 49ers and the arizona cardinals again already stated plenty of times so far san francisco wins this game 35 to 16 and from the get-go this was clearly a Chris McCaffrey day for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, through their first two drives of this game, Chris McCaffrey had touched the football. 12 of their 17 plays had 85 yards and two touchdowns. Through three of their drives, of their 22 offensive plays, Chris McCaffrey touched the ball 14 times for 93 total yards and three touchdowns. If I tell you anything other than this was the Christian McCaffrey CMC show, I'd be lying to you. In fact, we need to start, continue, put on Twitter, and give a barrage of tweets or posts on X and Facebook and Instagram to the NFL saying, Christian McCaffrey for MVP. He's been that good this year on another level in this game and right now i believe he's been the best offensive player in football through four weeks of the nfl season but again from the get-go san francisco came out with a vendetta almost like kyle shanahan wanted to prove that his offense would have ran through the jonathan gannon defense out there in philadelphia last year now the head coach of the cardinals this year putting up a quick 21 points in three drives. San Francisco's offense to start this game had three drives minus the one drive or one play kneel down before halftime. Their first three drives, their first three drives of the first half, the only three drives they had in the first half, three drives, 22 plays, 16 first downs, 205 total yards, 9.3 yards per play, and 21 points. In this game, San Francisco tallied the first touchdown scored, the first points scored against the Cardinals on the very first drive of the game all year long. Something Washington, the Giants, and those Dallas Cowboys who San Francisco plays next Sunday night in primetime at Levi Stadium 
something the Cowboys have yet to do or did not do against the Cardinals last week. It was also the first time in this game at the end of the first half where the Cardinals were down at halftime. From the get-go, San Francisco dominated this game, made it a point to say, hey, we haven't played in 10, 11 games. We're going to come out hot with the vendetta. We want to hunt the opposing offense. We're going to crush, run through, run around, and, and annihilate the Cardinals' defense, and they did just that. San Francisco, through four games, looks like the best team in football, bar none. Buffalo Bills, they had a couple of good games lost in week one to the Zach Wilson-led Jets. The Dolphins, 70 points against the Broncos, they only put up 20 against Buffalo. Philadelphia Eagles squeaked by Washington in overtime, barely beat Minnesota, and just inch out the Patriots. The Dallas Cowboys lost to this very Cardinals team. In fact, this very Cardinals team is the team Dallas can only muster 16 points against. It's not as if other teams have been dominating the Cardinals. Tough fought loss against the Commanders in week one. Barely lost to the Cowboys, or excuse me, to the Giants in week number two, blew a 20-point lead in the second half. Gave up 31 points in the second half to the Giants. The Cowboys beat them and came into San Francisco riding high, thinking they had a chance. Again, from kickoff, San Francisco will let their defense do the talking. First drive for Arizona, three and out, punt. First drive for San Francisco, marches their way down the field to Christian McCaffrey show, Touchdown. Next drive for the Cardinals. Punt! In fact, the Cardinals to begin this game. Their first two drives, and we'll get into the rest of the game here quickly, but the first two drives for the Cardinals. 10 plays, 23 total yards, and two punts. Again, going back to San Francisco's first three drives. 22 plays, 16 first downs, 205 yards, 9.3 yards an attempt, and 21 total points. A perfect first half by the San Francisco 49ers. Gave themselves a 21-10 lead going into halftime. Gave themselves much-needed cushion for the Cardinals' eventual push late and effort late in this game. Uh, there was a certain time in this outing where it was a five-point game. You're sitting back saying, whoa, what's going on here? But the Niners, from get-go, led never looked back, and even when things got a little dicey or a little close, there never was a hint of nervousness or being scared or worried about what could happen. Could this be an upset? Could it be a trap game? There was so much conversation of, they better watch out, Cardinals trap game, they just beat Dallas. And what did I tell you? In fact, I believe I said final score 33-17, to and it happened to be 35-16, to 16. and the only reason why Arizona didn't get 17 points is because they went for two, and San Francisco still stopped them with 10 men on the field. San Francisco, the 49ers, the red and gold, are the best team in football. 
of the remaining undefeated teams have yet to struggle against an opponent, have scored 30-plus points in four straight games this year. They scored 35 points in this game. Chris McCaffrey could have had five touchdowns, and this is without a truly 100% Debo Samuel. In sticking with the offense, let's talk about Chris McCaffrey. <laughs> let's dive into his day, his outing, because I've already stated plenty of times so far, uh, MVP, MVP, MVP. Christian McCaffrey, in this game, 106 yards on 20 carries and three touchdowns, just on the ground. Through the air, seven catches, 71 yards and one touchdown. Coming into this game, just into this game, before he scored four touchdowns, had over 170 yards total from scrimmage, he was projected, if he kept up his pace through three games, to have exactly 2,000 yards on the ground and 17 total touchdowns. I wonder what that projection might be now. We've seen quarterbacks struggle throughout the year. Mahomes threw two interceptions against the Jets tonight. Dak Prescott threw a pick, a game-sealing pick, against this exact Cardinals defense. We've seen Josh Allen give games away with four turnovers. There really only is, right now, two MVP frontrunners, and I can argue that one of them had their worst game of the season against the Buffalo Bills, that being two attack of Iloa this weekend. Christian McCaffrey, through four weeks, is the MVP of the NFL. In fact, with players that have had through four the first four games of a season, 600 scrimmage yards and seven scrimmage touchdowns, it's only happened three times in NFL history. Do you know who's in that company? Obviously, one is Christian McCaffrey. Then it's 1995 Emmett Smith, the NFL's career-leading rusher. Then there's Jim Brown, arguably, who did it twice, mind you, arguably the greatest running back in NFL history. Chris McCaffrey, through four games, is on par with future, or excuse me, current Hall of Famers. And Chris McCaffrey keeps on this pace, can not only be the MVP, but also put the gold jacket on, my friend. Now, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but at age 27, been in the NFL for six, seven years, could I argue that this right now is Christian McCaffrey's peak? I get it, he has Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and Purdy around him to help facilitate and keep him fresh and, and you know, keep the eyes off of him. But it's not like Christian McCaffrey in this offense hasn't been the best player and most consistent of the four or five superstar players they have since being acquired, like since day one, in a week where Chris McCaffrey played two games, Carolina played for them, and the Chiefs played against them for San Francisco. He was an instant impact player. Chris McCaffrey right now is the best version of himself we've ever seen. And this is a player we they acquired assuming he was 
already one of the most dynamic players in football. Like, when San Francisco traded for Chris McCaffrey, those are my exact words. If he's healthy, they've acquired top five, top two, best running back in football, one of the best and impactful weapons you can have on an offense. And Chris McCaffrey, through four games so far, has seven touchdowns. Chris McCaffrey in this game totaled or surpassed his season total, came in with three, left with seven because he had four in this game alone. And it's not just, you know, one yard rushes up the middle. He'll have a splash 54-61 yard run against Pittsburgh, do it again against the Rams. But it's the, he's averaging seven yards, six yards a pop. It feels like every time you think, oh, they got him, they're going to stuff him. They don't. In this game alone, Chris McCaffrey had maybe one rush for a loss. And it's because the offensive lineman missed the block. In this game alone, San Francisco had two plays, maybe one Debo Samuel and one Chris McCaffrey run that were for losses. They had two total plays minus a Brock Purdy sack for loss. This offense was humming well-oiled machine. It felt like that. I mentioned this on the 95-7 the game overtime postgame show that it feels like this, this offense is like an army. They're all moving as one mind and one brain. And it feels like that they all have, you know, the, the exact same goal of we're going to annihilate and kill and destroy and make them bleed and suffer. No one's going to stand in our way as we embark on our road to a Super Bowl. For this Niners team to take it even further, I'm a nerd. I like the movie Alien. I also love its by far better sequel, Aliens. Shout out Bill Paxton, RIP. But it's like a hive mind. The aliens, the xenomorphs, or to make it more real life, the insects that they're based off of, bees and ants and other beetles, they're hive-minded. San Francisco's hive mind is being controlled by their quest for the sixth Super Bowl in franchise history. The thing that they've been missing for years and years and years, the one thing that's yet to be attained by Kyle Shanahan in this Niners core. Their goal, their hive mind is do everything they can to reach the summit of the NFL and stand up on, as champions. Whether it's Kyle Shanahan, the GM, Jed York, giving them extensions to keep this hive mind working, to almost confirm at least seasonal, regular season, somewhat playoff success that permeates all the way down through the organization, from the quarterback to the running backs to the receivers, the defensive players, practice squad guys, special teams, gunners, kickers, punters, San Francisco of all the teams this year, and there are many good teams in football, are a hive mind with one goal in their sights. A championship. A Super Bowl victory. And when you're 4-0, one of the remaining undefeated teams of two currently, and of those two teams, of the entire NFL, you have played the most dominant football of the other 31 teams. 
There is no team right now that can hold a candle to what San Francisco has done. Now, it's not me being a homer and because I have a Niner podcast, it's just me being honest. Yes, things can change. San Francisco could lose against the Cowboys next week and you're going to hear me complaining and, 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 and screaming and how did this happen and, and where do we go from here? You know, you can't lose to the Dallas Cowboys. And But right now, schedule reading and trying to look forward, when reading a schedule, can you name me one team that San Francisco would not be favored against? I can only think of one. Week 13 in Philadelphia after a, I believe, Thanksgiving Day matchup against Seattle, going from the West Coast to the East Coast. That is the only game I can point to and say, ooh, that one worries me. That's the only one. Other than that, and I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated or only lose one game, but it is abundantly clear they've made it a point that we are going to get off to a hot start, what did I say week one? I don't know. Against Pittsburgh, this team has started off really slow. Three and five, then four and four. What have they done so far? Oh, they're four and four. They're, they're four and oh for the first time since 2019, the year they went to the Super Bowl. I'm not confirming that's going to happen again, although they were my pick to make it there. Right now, San Francisco as a whole, and this is... Chris McCaffrey and Brock Purdy's play in this game, and we'll, we'll get to him in a second, and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. You can tell that the goal is Super Bowl or bust, and they made it the point to, we must get off to a hot start, knowing the schedule's only, only going to get tougher. As of now, they are 4-0. Seattle is 2-1, the Rams are 2-2, and the Cardinals are 1-3. If Seattle loses on Monday when this podcast comes out, when you're watching and listening to this, if Seattle loses that game, San Francisco holds a commanding two-game lead, not only in total record being two games above 500 over Seattle and the Rams, but would also carry a 2 and a record in the division over those teams like the Rams and Seahawks, who of the, the four teams in the division are, the, are their only true competition. But as of right now, there is no one, like I've already stated, that holds a candle to what San Francisco has done, NFC or in the AFC. They're just too good. Yes, I've heard plenty of people say they haven't played anybody. You can only play who's on your schedule, and we will see what the San Francisco 49ers do against the Dallas Cowboys in prime time in the final game of a three-game homestand in which they're undefeated thus far. It feels like at this moment, I would like to think in the numbers and, and the Vegas would favor San Francisco by two and a half points, at least. And in this game, and we can get into nitty-gritty here, um, Debo Samuel played, did nothing, wasn't healthy enough to do much, gave him, what, three total carries, and that was it, a non-factor. You had Ronnie Bell and Ray Ray McLeod making catches down the stretch of this game, Jordan Mason getting catches and carries down the stretch of this game. It, th this was 
the CMC, Purdy, and Ayuk show on offense. George Kittle, who, pointing to last year, him and Brock Purdy had amazing chemistry. Against the Giants last week, seven catches, 90 yards. You thought was, is, is he breaking out? Is this the game? Even I said, he's back, folks. He's back. San Francisco tucked this little George Kittle card back in their sleeve and said, we'll use that for later. We don't need you today. They said, eh, for Dallas, we'll save him for Dallas. Debo Samuel, we'll save you for Dallas and the Browns and the Bengals and the Vikings. It was almost as if San Francisco this year has, I don't want to say toyed with their food, but for as good as their offense is on paper, they've only needed two of their stars in four games. Week one, McCaffrey and Ayuk. Week two, Debo and McCaffrey. Week three, Debo and McCaffrey. (laughs) Week four, Ayuk and McCaffrey, and Kittle had one big game again against the Giants. But right now, it's very much been a pick-your-poison. We have so many guys that can dice your offense up, you can't or you won't stand a chance. And getting into Brock Purdy's day, I don't know if this was Brock Purdy's best game so far. He was 20 for 21, had two touchdowns on the day, had 283 yards, At one point in this game, dating back to last week against the Giants, had completed 22 consecutive passes, a career high for the second-year quarterback. Brock Purdy in this game was 19 for 19, I believe. Insane. His first incompletion was in the third quarter with 10 minutes and 52 seconds left. And I want to commend Kyle Shanahan because this is a game you point to and say, Run the football, give it to Mason. If Mitchell was healthy, give it to Mitchell, give it to TDP, McCaffrey, get a lead, play, keep away, and by all intents and purposes, you can escape with the win and no one gets hurt. Shanahan has bucked that entire trend. Same way against the Giants. Run the football, get out with the win, short week. Shanahan has said, no, I want to throw and be aggressive. We are seeing Kyle Shanahan... We even saw him the first drive of this game. Fourth down, fourth and four. What does he do? He goes for it. What does it lead to? Touchdown. Shanahan has gone for it, I believe, three times on fourth downs this year. Gotten all of them. And every one of those drives, I believe, has ended in points. Maybe even touchdowns. Whether it's the Brock Purdy effect or just Shanahan being gutsy, knowing that he's playing opponents that are weaker than his team... Shanahan has been more aggressive. We're seeing him, I don't know if it's the frustration of not winning a Super Bowl and being upset and saying, I'm going to make sure you know how good we are and assert our dominance early in these games and make sure that you can't catch a breath or feel like you have an inch, an ounce of momentum. It feels like Kyle Shanahan for once has maybe developed a killer instinct. Now, we got, I don't know, 13 games to go, and we'll see how it plays out. But through four games, there's a killer instinct growing in Kyle Shanahan. He sees red sometimes. And I love it. It makes me feel happy, good, and it's almost like when you're frustrated with your work or 
relationship or your family and you just had enough and you're so done and you're just, I'm going to snap and break and whatever it is. Now, maybe it isn't healthy to do stuff like that. Go see a therapist, please. <laughs> um, betterhelp.com. <laughs> but in football, in, in, in a physical sport, you want to have that killer instinct, that dog mentality. And the players certainly have that. And Kyle Shanahan wants that out of his players. But sometimes you want that out of your head coach. And it feels like Kyle Shanahan has or is growing that killer instinct early in games. And we're seeing it late in games as well. And it's like, yes, Kyle, yes, continue to do this. We need this if you want to get to the mountaintop. But back to Brock Purdy. (laughs) Brock Purdy through <laughs> this is a crazy stat Brock Purdy through one completion in this game Patrick Mahomes against the Jets through two interceptions Patrick Mahomes threw more interceptions than Brock Purdy through incompletions in this game that's crazy <laughs> like People can say, oh, he dinked and dunked his way down the field. Did you watch that Chiefs game? Patrick Mahomes has been dinking and dunking the entire season. Now, Mahomes is Mahomes, and I get it. He's special. He's a freak. He's the Steph Curry of the NFL. I get it. Watch their offense. They have no deep threats. It is very much dink and dunk. Five yards, 15 yards. They had not, before tonight, had a completion for a touchdown over 10 yards. That's insane. Brock Purdy did that week one. I'm not saying Purdy is better than Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that Brock Purdy, what he's done this year, everything is aligning for San Francisco through four weeks. Pittsburgh, pretty good defense. Not great, but pretty good. Rams, eh, they're okay. Barely beat the Colts this week. By the way, Anthony Richardson, my goodness, I love you. (laughs) I love what he's done so far. He's breaking Cam Newton records and Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson records for four games. I love love you, Anthony Richardson. I wish he would have beat the Colts, but or the Rams, excuse me, but I digress. Anyways, Brock Purdy's doing things special. In fact, I was saying on the postgame show again on on 95.7 The Game, It's almost as if because every time you hear about the broadcasters, whether it's Mark Sanchez, who was god awful in this game broadcasting, whether it's, you know, uh, whoever it is, Al Michaels or or whatever. Every one of them talks about Brock Purdy's preparation. He prepares so well. Kyle Shanahan, he prepares better than anybody. His own teammates prepares better than anybody. And I always point to Kyle Juszczyk and Chris McCaffrey. Kyle Juszczyk is better known as the second center on the offense. He can point out mics and designate um, shifts and, and how the offense should call plays. With Jimmy Garoppolo here, Kyle Juszczyk was a massive help to the offense. Chris McCaffrey, we've heard all the whole time he's been here, he is another quarterback. He studies so well. He knows where everyone's supposed to be. He's so smart. For Brock Purdy, it almost feels like he's studying where he needs to be, the ball needs to go, 
but also where does the running back need to be? Where is the offensive line shifts and where is the blocking going to maneuver? Where's the fullback, the tight end, the receiver is going to be so he knows when to bail out of the pocket or to see his first read and say no, second read yes, to trust Christian McCaffrey of he's going to be in the exact spot he's supposed to be in. There's a play in this game, I believe it was on Christian McCaffrey's touchdown catch, where he hikes the ball, shifts to his right, looks to his right, finds no one, instantly flips the hips, and it's boom, almost like he knew Christian McCaffrey was going to be there, and what does CMC do? Catches it 18 yards for a touchdown. Brock Purdy, his intellect is another level. It's, I don't want to say elite because it's been, what, 14 games or whatever the number is so far for him, but it feels like that he prepares in a way where he knows where every player is going to be on the field any given play. Or if it breaks down, he knows where Ayuk or Debo or Kittle or McCaffrey are going to be to execute the play perfectly. Now, I'm not calling Brock Purdy a perfect quarterback, albeit only one completion today, a 95% completion percentage in this game, one of the best of all time. <laughs> Most since Steve Young, I believe, in 1995, 4? Either way, an insane record for Brock Purdy. But it's almost as if, you know... He, he, he doesn't possess the physical traits. He's not 6'5 or 6'4, 220 pounds. He's not Josh Allen with the gigantic arm and going to run through you or the Mar Jackson and going to run right by you and very shifty and elusive. Although Brock Purdy is quick and elusive, doesn't have the biggest arm. We saw today he underthrew Ayuk for a 45-yard pass. Ayuk, being the amazing player he is, gets back under the football and fights double coverage to catch the ball. But it's the fact that Brock Purdy says, F it, Ayuk's down there somewhere and trust his receiver. The fact that Brock Purdy in this game had three passes over 25 yards. All the talk of, you know, those passes he missed against the Rams are going to come back to haunt him, and certainly they would in a bigger game where they lose, because eventually... They're going to lose a game. It happens. It's life. It's football. Brock Purdy hit those three big passes today. Trusted his star receiver, Brandon Ayuk, coming off a shoulder injury, was healthy enough, good enough, and could catch the football. He trusts his players. He knows it feels like any quick out or cut, they are going to be there. I don't want to say it's Brady-esque, but it's almost Brady-esque where if you're not at your route, at your spot, he's going to light you up and get in your face and make sure you know or not trust you again. Now, that part isn't Brock Purdy, but the fact is that Brock Purdy believes in Ronnie Bell and McLeod and Juwan Jennings and Jordan Mason that you are going to make your cut at the right time where my precision needs to align with your cut. And that's back to the hive mind, the perfection. If you want to be an elite quarterback, yes, you have to have physical traits, but you also have to have the brain to not just execute and dissect defenses, but also prepare yourself where if things break down or your first read and second read aren't there, where does the ball go next and have the timing, the wherewithal of, I have one second, two seconds, they're not there, 
Go to my check down. It's Chris McCaffrey, boom, 18 yards for touchdown. Brock Purdy has that. He has this cerebral ability in his play to... He's not going to give you a 45-yard pass every single time. And to certain people, it's going to be dink and dunk. But because he prepares himself so well and aligns with Kyle Shanahan's mind, they're almost one of two, right? That's why the offense works so well with him. Jimmy G, for as great as he was, and I don't want to hate on him, the brain part wasn't there. He would check out during the offseason, right? On top of physical traits not being there. Now, Jimmy had his strengths, precision passing um, on quick routes, and timing was usually good. But it was, if the first read's not there, what do I do? Shanahan, at certain points, his, his first season here in 2017, was angry with him because he wasn't grasping things fast enough. Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh. Kaepernick, insane physical traits, a cannon for an arm, insane speed. Kaepernick didn't take the time to progress physically. He capped himself off. Now, there are certain times where athletes just can't get past the wall. They can't break through the glass ceiling. It happens. You can have, like, you remember that guy Oakman for Baylor? He was just jacked and huge. He just, he just couldn't break the barrier of, I mean, physical specimen, but I don't got it up here. Brock Brody, he doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but he's quick enough, he's twitchy, he's elusive, and he's smart. He prepares better than anybody. What can give you or overcome, help you overcome your physical or lack of physical traits? The brain. The brain is, in fact, the most important muscle in any sport or life. You, who are the, the elite of the elites money-wise? Smart people. Drew Brees wasn't the biggest guy. He had a, a great arm, I get it. He's short. Halftime, he's, you know, trying to see over the offensive line like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? How many times did you see them do cutaways to him throwing a football? He's like, I can't see. <laughs> trying to find my guy, oh, you know, over the linebacker and over the defense tackle. Brock Purdy doesn't have to do that exactly, but he has to overcome the lack of arm strength by his mind, his brain. And it goes to show how great he is. And I can argue, Chris McCaffrey for MVP, Brock Purdy might be in the MVP conversation as well. When's the last time through four games, San Francisco has had four, M or excuse me, two, not four, two MVP candidates? Not with Shanahan, I can't think of any for Harbaugh unless I'm forgetting somebody. Really, this is the first time since maybe Garcia and Owens or Rice and Owens, you point to and say, wow, they have two MVP candidates through one month of the season. I mean, Brock Purdy in this game. I already talked about the, the pass to McCaffrey, but, you know, it's fourth and four, 39-yard line, quick out to Kittle, boom, first down. Deep shot, Tyuk, 42 yards, trusts his receivers. There's a play with third down, hikes the football, his first reach to Ayuk, gets him back shoulder, keeps him in bounds right past the sticks. Brock Purdy through this game, only 21 passing yards, 283 yards through the air. He had more yards on 21 attempts than Josh Dobbs had on 41 attempts. Hear that again. Josh Dobbs had 20 more attempts than Brock Purdy. Had less yards per attempt 
and had less total yards in the game. Brock Purdy, by all intents and purposes in this game, was borderline perfect, but has been a top 10 quarterback in football. I can argue, and I'm not saying by the end of the year he'll be that, but through one month, Brock Purdy has been a top 8, top 6 quarterback. When I think of quarterbacks, I'd take over Purdy. Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, let's see. No, 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 no. Not that guy. Not Jalen Hurts. Maybe Justin Herbert. Purdy's number six. I'm not taking anybody in the AFC South. I'm taking nobody in the AFC North. Maybe Lamar, but even Lamar's had his off days here and there. Even then, if you want to take Lamar, take Lamar. That's fine. Brock Purdy's the seventh best quarterback in football so far this year. This team is humming, running at all cylinders, and we've only talked about two players so far in this game. Brandon Ayuk, quickly here, uh, again, what, six catches, 146 y- 148 yards through the air, just incredible, had three catches over 25 yards, had a 42-yarder, a 25-yarder, and 34-yard catch, incredible, yeah, Chris McCaffrey, who, who I missed this stat, had a touchdown in 13 consecutive games, passing the greatest player of all time in Jerry Rice, out there hurtling Freaking suckers, just boom, over the air. It felt like everything's coming easy for him right now. He's playing, you know, Tech Mobile as Bo Jackson. He's playing Madden on a rookie with the sliders all the way up. He's just so good. He had a career-high four touchdowns matching since the last time it's happened. Raheem Mostert in the NFC title game against the Packers in 2019-2020. I mean, Chris McCaffrey is putting up legendary all-time numbers through four games. Now, we can shift things over, and we can look at the defense for a second, because truly there only really was three players on offense you can point to. The offensive line was fine, only allowed one sack. Um, There really wasn't much. Williams missed one play, the Debo stuff that ended up being a loss. Then McKivitz missed a play on the sack, which was also a loss for Purdy, but well, other than that, I am not worried about anything offensively. In fact, I could argue that right now the offense is playing much better than the defense, and the defense has allowed what? They allowed what, six points, I believe, in the second half. They've allowed 18 total points through four games in the second half alone. Hear me again. San Francisco's defense has allowed a total of 18 points in second halves, I believe. That's crazy. Divide that 18 by four. <laughs> the four points, four point, I don't know, one, two, five, whatever it is. In second halves this year, San Francisco was basically saying, you may get a field goal and nothing else against us. Their defense is borderline pitching shutouts in second halves, where if San Francisco gets behind, which, keep this in mind, San Francisco through four games has not trailed by any points at halftime. The Rams game was close, one second away, what do they do? Touchdown. 
San Francisco has yet to trail at halftime in any game so far. At worst, they've been tied. In every single game so far, they scored 30 points and won by almost 10. Almost 10! And the only reason why the Rams game wasn't by 10 was because Sean McVay kicked some BS field goal. San Francisco, their average margin of victory is almost 10 points. In fact, I'm sure it's around 15 points. They've been that good this year. Granted, against not-so-great teams, but the offense is playing at an all-time high. Folks, is this what it was like to play with Walsh and Montana and Rice and Taylor and Dwight Clark and Roger Craig? It feels like this is how it was supposed to feel. Because right now, we're looking pretty darn good, and I can argue this is the best Niners offense since 1995-94, when they won a Super Bowl against the Chargers. Like, this is impressive as to what this team has done. Uh, the defense, just like the offense early in this game, was out to hunt, make a statement. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, 20 total tackles between them, 16 solo, 10 a piece came to total. Insane. These guys are flying around all over the place and coming into the game. I talked about how San Francisco was going to have their hands full with James Conner and Josh's, or Joshua Dobbs' running ability. No, he isn't Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. But he can extend plays, is not going to give the game away for you. What did San Francisco do? But 48 yards on the ground for Josh Dobbs. Longest play, 20 yards. James Conner, what, 56, 52 yards on the ground? Right now, or their two biggest running threats did nothing James Conner came into this game, the, the NFL's fourth highest leading rusher, had under 60 yards. One of the why? Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw. These guys were flying everywhere. Deshaun Gibson was hyped. He wanted to hit somebody. They were playing extremely hard. And I know fans will point to, where was Nick Bosa and where was Drake Jackson? Um, keep in mind, Nick Bosa was the was PFF's highest defensive graded player through three games coming into this game. Um, I would assume he left probably the same. Excellent in run defense. I know he didn't have a sack, and fans go, I like the puck score. Where's the sacks? Where's the sacks? Who cares? We knew coming into this game it was going to be important that Hargrave, <laughs> my dog snoring back there, that Hargrave and Eric Armstead, he's really snoring back there having a great sleep. I, I, I wish I was too, it's late. <laughs> but Hargrave and Armstead and Kinlaw, they were going to need to have great games in front and expose the Cardinals' weak left guard in Wilkerson and the center, Freeholt, who was off the field, non the field, not the field, non the field in the fourth quarter. It was weird. I'm not sure if he had a concussion, didn't get checked, but it was weird. They did just that. Javon Hargrave got a sack today. I think he has three so far this year. I mean, he's been worth every single penny. They pushed the interior. It felt like I had no idea what the pressure numbers are for this game, but it felt like Josh Dobbs was having to evade or move out of the pocket a lot, where there was guys in his face almost all day long. There wasn't many sacks, only one, I believe, but it felt like they were getting pressure to him and making it tough for him to execute the offense. Now, there was a time in this game where... A little dicey, a little scary, but we all breathed and said, Whew, we're okay. Goose, Fava, Anchor, and go out there in anger management, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler, Goose, blah, blah. That's what it felt like, right? 
But there was a time in this game where it did feel like that, okay, yeah, this is the Cardinals' final push. They're going to make their, their run here. The Cardinals' first two drives of the game, 10 plays, 23 yards, two punts. Their next three drives, which included a fake punt, I mean, they were really going for it on their own territory, and they barely got it. I mean, you got you got to give them kudos. Jonathan Gannon wanted to go out there and make a win, make a statement, give his team some confidence, did just that with that fake punt. But three drives, 37 plays, a 226 yards, and 16 points. The Cardinals weren't great in this game, but they had three drives that made things pretty interesting. And you're like, oh, like what, what's going on here? <laughs> like, somebody sound the alarm. Offense need to score some points. Need a takeover. Need a turnover. Someone get the ball back. <laughs> but look, what does the offense do? And the defense gave up a 99-yard drive because Wisnowski plants that ball at the one. Kendall Sheffield elevated from the practice squad for this game, catches it, oh, falling out of bounds, and pushes it back inside. Um, Tear Pepper picks it up, and boom, at the one-yard line. And you're thinking, well, they're not going to score here. <laughs> and what do the Cardinals do? To their credit, march 99 yards downfield and score a touchdown. And you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, oh, my God, no, what's going on? And you sit down, and to, to, to tell you how insane, how rare a 99-yard drive against a Niners defense is, and there's some bad defenses in the last 20 years. <laughs> We're talking the last time that happened, that San Francisco's defense allowed a 99-yard touchdown drive was September 15th, 2002, against the Jake Plummer-led Denver Broncos. It's been 21 years. We're talking defenses that had, I mean, Ahmed Plummer and Mike Rumpf and Derek Smith and Jeff Ulbrich and just guys you're like, who is that? The Walt Harris's and the Nate Clements and Tony Parrish and the pre-Harbaugh days where you're like, what is going on? Who is that guy? Shante Spencer. And you're like, even they didn't do it? <laughs> really? Man, the Niners were still pretty good in 2002. Oh, well, man, they, they weren't great, but they were still pretty good. <laughs> and you're like, it took 21 years? And you're sitting back and you're like, man, okay, like, this is not great. And to be fair, the Cardinals did make some big plays to get themselves back in this game. Hit a huge play-action pass 41 yards downfield to Hollywood Brown. Michael Wilson had two touchdowns in this game, capped off their 99-yard touchdown drive, which Stanford Cardinals, your football, your football team might suck, but former Cardinals had six touchdowns in this game. McCaffrey had four, Wilson had two. I mean, these guys are burners. They're fast. And in this game, San Francisco coming in was allowing zero of eight attempts. So on eight attempts... Opposing offenses had zero completions of 20-plus yards. Plays 20-plus yards had been allowed. No big plays. Joshua Dobbs, of all quarterbacks, had two in this game. So 
if there are areas to point to and say that might be a concern or, you know, we won, but it's a very small, tiny but. You know, it's not a Kim Kardashian or a J-Lo. It's more of like a, I don't know, a, a Mila Dojakovic or, or someone else. I have no idea. I mean, it's all due respect to Mila. I'm just saying. You know, it's funny. I watched The Fifth Element yesterday, and it's, I, I I have the, the Corbin Dallas multi-pass in, in my brain. I can't let it go. <laughs> she was saying it so much. It's a great movie, by the way. Fifth Element, Bruce Willis, Chris Tucker. It's a good movie. Underrated if you haven't seen it yet, but... I digress. Back to football. Um, the Niners in this game, or coming in, had allowed no big plays. Joshua Dobbs had two. Two in this game alone, and gave his team a chance to win. Now, wasn't going to be the reason they won the game, but was going to give his players like Connor and Brown and Wilson a chance to make a big play and get them back in the game. And again, if there is a reason to be concerned, or there was a reason to you know, point to and say, but this happened. And I think of, of, of anything, the biggest concern is what are we doing with Ambry Thomas? I like Ambry Thomas. I think he's a fine depth cornerback, but we know the history here. Played really bad in 2021 to begin, picked it up late, ended poorly. Came into last year, unmotivated his body wasn't right his brain wasn't right he just wasn't in a good place to make to take the next step what did he do took a step back almost found himself benched or traded and cut came in this year new defensive coordinator even i said this could be a fresh start for him he looks really good in camp and you know things just feel different for Ambry thomas i want him to play well why does steve wilkes keep removing Isaiah Oliver, when he's playing well or playing good enough, and shifting Lenore inside and giving Thomas reps. I'm not sure what the infatuation is with benching a starting cornerback, or I don't know if it's they want to get Thomas reps and they have a big lead, put him in. But if that's the case, then take out the entire defense and put the backups in. If that's the entire, you know, if that's the idea or that's, you know, the, what they want to do, why is Chris McCaffrey getting reps with two minutes left in the game? Right? It's like, I don't know. Again, I want Thomas to play well, but right now, as a fan, as someone who is invested in this team, hosts a podcast and talks about this team, I don't know, seven hours a week on here, if not more sometimes, I don't want to see him out there. In fact, I'm sitting here waiting for Will Mack to get healthy in five, six more weeks. I'm also waiting for Daryl Luter Jr., fifth-round pick out of South Alabama, to make his debut. Because Thomas has been a liability in a very short period of time, or short sample size. He, in this game, like, and we've seen kind of this two faces of Amory Thomas, first play he's in, or, or first time he's targeted, step-by-step step with Hollywood Brown, one of the fastest guys in football. <laughs> and you're like, that was great, that was awesome. Yes, good, good things, <laughs> good. And the next play gets burnt on a double move by Michael Th Michael Wilson. And you're like, really, man? Like, okay, one play, you can bounce back. There's some good and there's some bad. Meet in the middle, be consistent. I'd rather you be average than a roller coaster, right? Just be, be a player I can say, I know who you are. <laughs> and right now, I have no idea who he is. Because then later, I think the defense is playing palms, 
He passes off the receiver to Hufunga. He breaks over late. Then you have Thomas and you have uh, Greenlaw on the out receiver and they're double covering him. And you're like, oh, whatever. Then Wilson's open for a touchdown in the end zone. And you're like, man, like, I don't know if that's Thomas's fault, but it wasn't the right play. I didn't feel like it was the right move on that play. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I know what was supposed to happen, but it does as a fan, and I'm sure you felt the same way, get him out of there. And what they do? They pull them out and put Oliver back in. I'm not saying Lenore or Oliver make that play or don't make the same mistake, but it's less likely they do that, and it's less likely the Cardinals score with them on the field. That's the smallest gripe I have. Hufunga played great. Again, San Francisco had 10 players on the field and still stopped a two-point conversion because Burks and Hufunga made a stop. Then after the game, you got James Conner freaking trying to choke or punch Hufunga in the face like, homie, do not touch the Tongan Tiger. Do you know who you're talking about? He didn't ask you know, freaking anamorph into a tiger and claw your face off. You got Kittle break. And like, also, if you're going to throw a punch... Take the helmet off. You want you want to be a tough guy. Ooh, I'm gonna flex. I'm a, I, I'm a tough guy. You lost by 19. Suck it up. Go back to the hot Arizona, 145 degree weather out there and melt. Go back and suffer on that plane ride back out there because you a sucker doing nothing. You come into this game riding high, get your teeth punched in, and you want to start throwing punches. I don't care what was said. I don't care. I didn't like it when Trent Williams threw punches against the Giants. Don't do that. Do not put your hands on somebody else, man, woman, child, ever, ever. Maybe you just don't touch other people unless it's consensual. <laughs> you know, consent's important, you think? And I'm going to assume Hufunga was like, I would like you to not punch me in the face. And Connor tried to give a little cheap shot and was like, I got a helmet on, punch me, punch me. It's like, bro, if you want to throw fisticuffs, you do it outside in the parking lot when you feel like you want to be a man. But you know what a man doesn't do? Lose by 19 and throw a hissy fit because you got your you got your feathers plucked. He just went, boop, 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 bye. Boop, bye now. Enjoy Arizona. We'll enjoy being 4 and O. Oh. Playing the Dallas Cowboys. Next week, prime time, Sunday night football. San Francisco gets the win. Sure, there was a little bit of a down, but by all intents and purposes, by an all-encompassing mindset, the San Francisco 49ers for the fourth straight game have dominated their opponent, yet to trail going into halftime, yet to lose a game this year, are now 4-0 and 2-0 in the division beat the Rams, beat the Cardinals, and the Seahawks lose tonight or tomorrow when it's recording tonight when you're listening and watching. Maybe San Francisco is two games up on the division, leaving week number four, preparing for Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Brock Purdy was cooking. Christian McCaffrey was hurdling over fools, making some dum-dums look silly. Ayuk was like, I'll put on a casual 148 yards. No big deal. And Debo said, and Kittle said, we'll get healthy and we'll go show out against the Cowboys in week number five. San Francisco caps off the homestand next Sunday, I guess, 
this coming Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys at Levi Stadium. Want to remind you, use our promo code 49ers access if you want to go to that game. If you're not in San Francisco, if you're in Canada or you're in the Midwest or the East Coast, wherever you are and you're coming down to the States or you're roaming around the U.S., if you want to go see the San Francisco 49ers play, use that promo code up above on the screen right here. I'll say it again, 49ers access and save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Dot com. It can at least pay for your parking, maybe even pay for your $7, $6 gas. It's insane. But go support your Niners, your red and gold, and be with the faithful at Levi Stadium or on the road and travel and support the team with a discount. Also, if you want to buy some merch, you want to... First off, to end the show, hey, Mike Florio, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams... The New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers have all been beat by Brock Turdy. Brock Turdy's undefeated in his entire career. Dude, screw that guy. Screw that guy. Brock Turdy is awesome. <laughs> Anyways, you want to buy some merch? You want to buy some a Brock Purdy jersey, a Chris McCaffrey four touchdown a game jersey, an Ayuk, Ofunga, Whatever merch you want to buy, a simple hat, a shirt, a jersey, use our Fanatics link up above or down below in the description and save yourself some money and hopefully you'll support the show. In the meantime, also follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. That's where you're going to find updates, stats of the game, stats of how crazy good Chris McCaffrey is. It's also where you're going to find updates on the team, roster moves, and podcast posts of the links to click, where to find the show. It's all going to be on Twitter. Many of that applies to the Instagram as well, at 49ers.access. Posts, updates, everything about San Francisco and the Niners are going to be on those two platforms. want to ask you kindly to leave a like leave a review on the video or the podcast you're currently listening to look you can put whatever you want in that review you can say this show sucks or this show's awesome or go cmc go brock turdy let's get the cmc mvp hashtag working on social media and even put it down in the comments or on the review i'm asking you to leave you can put five stars this show stinks hashtag brock turdy for mvp or smells like brock turdy in here in the review give it five stars it still helps the show no matter what again leave a like on the video hope you enjoyed week number four undefeated folks and we're not going anywhere the best team in the nfc not record wise just yet but hopefully by week five that changes my name is sterling bennett saying thank you for watching thank you for listening and until next time stay faithful